from Wakefield. It's the Nolan Curran Night Show, inviting you to join Nolan and his guest this week, Lee Ehrenberg, to the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nolan. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the show. And I know we've been on a long break, not not that I wanted to, but nevertheless, here we are. And with that being said, I have an amazing guest, but without all the other preamble, let's get into some of the stuff. Of course, if you enjoy the show, do us a favor, subscribe, comment, share. All the fun jazz, following social media helps the growth of the show forever long it lasts for. It's been going strong for almost three years, so I guess we can still keep going forward. On another note, on to the main course of this meal, which is my guest this week. Although my guest has called home to the Golden State his entire life, he's had the good fortune of traveling the world for 40 years. When he's kidnapping puppets and mansions, living life the Al Davis way, trying to rob diners, or even having parking disputes, my guest this week has done it all and then some. For the inner child in me, it's my great privilege and honor to have SMH's most cherished Viking, the one and only Mr. Lee Ehrenberg on the show. Lee, how are you? <laughs> After that intro, bro, I'm a I'm a hardcore fan, man. The Al Davis shout out. Yeah, I like it, man. Great to be here, bro. Good well, I start. Want, I want to uh, talk about that. I, I know you're a big fan of the Raiders and, and Raider Nation, and they've had some interesting times the last few years with head coaches and all sorts of other stuff. And of course they just got rid of um, well, my fan, his name, your, your, your head coach, or Josh, uh, Josh yeah. McDaniels. And they still have to pay him that, that heavy contract. That's, still that's all right. Terry, he wasn't a great people person. I wish the best for Josh, you know, the, we should have kept rich Basaccia. Yeah. A couple of seasons ago who the, it's, it, it's important. The players it's a, it's a, it's as much about X's and O's football as motivating the dudes. Yeah. And uh, we have a coach now that motivates the dudes. And so I'm optimistic. Um, I mean, we're in a tough division. And the great thing about being a fan is you're ride or die with your squad. So I'm always a ride or die fan. I have my teams. I have my, I mean, Man U, soccer, uh, Raiders, Nation, my Dodgers, LA Kings hockey, pretty much my ride or dies. You know, and uh, I don't know, it keeps me going. If I wasn't an actor, this is something I don't know if you've seen this because I have mentioned it, but my second dream job was in sports somewhere, broadcast yeah. of some sort. So I'm definitely a junkie for it. Well, dude. That's always good because you want to have some some other things to keep you occupied when you're trying to decompress from from sports. I'm curious for you in terms of that, in terms of the team, because you have Josh McDaniels who did so so well in New England with Bill Belichick as the offensive coordinator for so many years, and he, now he weren't able to find out what was wrong with here with Jimmy Garoppolo and Mark, Mark Davis with that horrific haircut that he has. No what words. do you hope happens in the future in terms of a fan for head coach? And do you think Tom Brady helps that seeing as part of the owner circle to an extent? I, I mean, TB, uh, happy to have his influence. I mean, definitely a winner. Uh, the, the, the guys respect him. I don't know what he'll add or subtract in terms of football to the squad. Uh, the fan base just wants a good product out yeah. there. We got to play, we got to play 60 minutes. That's all yeah. we want. We work hard to buy the gear, to pay for the tickets if we're lucky enough to go. Yeah. Um, and so we're invested in it. And so make some smart moves. We, there's a commitment to excellence that's part of the the legend of the of the of the squad and the just win baby attitude and I'm pretty sure that the Raider Nation that's all we want to see yeah. out of the squad. 
I'd give our coach a shot now, Antonio Pierce. I love his story. I love that he's the same as me, an L.A. Raider guy. That's mm -hmm. when I kind of discovered it. Um, so optimistic, but it is the Raiders. You know, we're also mm -hmm. myopic. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, we're always ready to win the Super Bowl. You know, mm -hmm. it's never enough for us. We just... We love it. The silver and black. I mean, I'm a pirate. There's so many connections to, yeah. to my existence. Uh, wanting to be a pirate of the Caribbean as a kid, then becoming one. Then the year that we do the first movie, the Raiders are in the Super Bowl yeah. against the Buccaneers. <laughs> it was all pirates, man. Yeah. It's all pirates. Well, when you have great players and you have great coaches and you have a great organization, there's one. There's only one more thing you need to do, and that's just win, baby, as Right. Say. Yeah, yeah. And it's about, I'll tell you what it's about. It's about uh, playing for the other guys next to you. It's yeah. about execution. I mean, it's the ultimate the theater without a script. Sure. That's what I love about sport. I mean, the theatricality of, of football, like the Coliseum of Rome, the bread and circuses. It's how art, it's how storytelling fits into the society. As you're saying, as a diversion, but is also a way to... Um, take you out of where you are in the moment, connect you to community. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of magic in, in, and connection in the, uh, I mean, sports is entertainment, no question. Sure. Well, let's, mm -hmm. let's hope Antonio gets it signed long-term deal and doesn't get the raw deal. Like um, Steve did a few years ago on another more different note, never mind sports. Cause we could, I could talk to you yeah, yeah. with sports, but of course your, your career as a wonderful actor, I want to know, I want to go as back as you want to go as far back as the little Lee would want to when he was doing Shakespeare in Hebrew back in, in, in California for yeah. you growing up. And obviously you've been in California your whole life. So you have some experience with seeing what Hollywood was like with the friends you're going to high school with as a kid growing up, how realistic was that for your kids in your neighborhood? Or was there something else that was more realistic for you? I mean, I didn't care if it was realistic. You know, once I got the bug, I have the bug, man. And I was going to do it. Sure. You know, my family not in the business. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I used to say, like, if if your family's not connected, you might as well be from the other side of the planet. Yeah. You grow up across the street from the studio and it's a mill till they invite you in. It's still a million mile journey. Yeah. OK, I started in the theater. Sure. And so I would say, I mean, all my high school stuff was incredible. The kids that were in the group with me to inspire me, my friendship with Emilio, helping him audition, connected through with my brother because Emilio was like a pole vaulter. My brother ran track and comes up to my brother. Oh, yeah. Or somehow it came up that I was the actor. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was a lot of just being in the right place at the right time. And then mm -hmm. most especially in my career was when I got to UCLA as a yeah. theater major and I started the Actors Gang. I was a founding member uh, with Tim Robbins and Laurence Olivier's son and a bunch of my cronies from high school and eventually Jack Black, Kyle Gass. I mean, there's a legend of the, the sure. gang is really my roots. That's really the thing about the theater is when I was a kid, I didn't feel like I fit in all the time. Sure. I wore glasses. I was kind of chunky. I had an af ju jufro, as they call it. I call it. 
you know, I was a fucking weird looking dude. At best, I was kind of like a Richard Dreyfus in the Goodbye Girl, Elton Johnny kind of dude. Right. And but I found my people. Sure. And then through exploring other characters and discovering uh, just a love of the relationship between the actor and the audience. Um, yeah, I mean, I found my path. It was just, it was that part of it was very natural. Sure. Making it in Hollywood is still a fucking struggle. Oh, sure. Yeah. Always yeah. a struggle for everybody. I'm sure. Because it's just, a, it's just a, um, they call it high school with money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the every the older you get and the longer you survive in the game, the more that everybody is a badass. Sure. Every single 50 year old or guy that I go up against for a role, 40s to 60, but they're talented guys. Yeah. And and the key is root for everyone. We're in it together. When I walk into the room, I'm either the guy or I'm not the guy. Sure. That frees you. Yeah. Just go for it. It's my chance to show what I do. Maybe I'm not right for that part, but I'm I'm in the mind for episode yeah. seven. You know, that's how it works. Yeah. So surrender expectations, surrender outcomes, surrender timelines. Sure. Focus on where are you at? What are you doing right now? It's all you sure. got this moment. Right. So but yeah, bro, it was it's a million mile journey and seeing Emilio blow up. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., you know, these kids are my friends. Yeah. Uh fucking wild ride and so proud of all of them, you know. And then sure. of course young Hollywood, when I got sort of my spot in the young Hollywood to see all my friends, so yeah. many have uh, still in the game, still with the thirst, still with the hunger, still with the passion for what we do. It's cool business. It's just, sure. you know, it's just hard to actually get the the, the cracks at it. Sure. So you're right. You have to fill your day with, um, I mean, for me, being of service to others, my family, uh, walking my dog. I live on a beach. I'm so grateful. I build gratitude into my daily platform. Uh, and, and I go from there. Because otherwise you can get like, you can get angry that you're just sitting yeah. around feeling like you're the most awesome <laughs> dude, you know yeah. trap so healthy stuff healthy mindset um control only I, I i adopted a pretty stoic uh philosophy and it really suits me uh own my stuff be responsible for my actions surrender everything that I don't control and only focus on what I do. And believe me, you control very little in your life, sure. right? Never another person, never, not yeah. for one second. So free that makes you a better dad, makes you a better hubs, makes you a better dog owner, makes you a better actor. Sure. And then uh, always imagine there's a camera on you 24 seven, which there is. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of shit. So, you know, then then eventually maybe you can be happy for a second and know why you are. Yeah. And that's very important right now with um the modern life is is uh it's a challenge. Sure. To to stay available and vulnerable as an artist while waiting for the phone to ring, waiting sure. for the next opportunity. 
Well, I, I wanted to talk about, you know, after you you know went to UCLA, after you started that group and you were with these guys who you practically were with since they were at pimples on their back. And the eight throughout the late eighties and into the early nineties, after you worked with Tim Robbins and John Cusack on tape heads, you were part of a lot of or I should say a lot of successful television shows and some movies that had a lot of weight in society society, of course, Star Trek, Seinfeld, some other projects as well. Getting to be a part of that, even though theater was your first and main love, being part of that actually, aspect of actually, that. Actually, no, no, no. I never said that, actually. I always wanted to be in film yeah. and TV. Well, so always. in TV then, how was that being part of those things early on in your career? Oh, God, incredible. I mean, I needed that to survive, sure. right? So I got taught real early on when I was just getting out of school and that I was selling computers. Yeah. I was selling computers actually with uh, Tim's brother, Dave. Okay. Uh, uh, we were selling some of the first homemade uh, office systems. I was like a computer hardware dude, you know? Yeah. And uh, I did a play and then Kate Mulgrew, who, the actress who was then married to a theater director called Robert Egan, great director, uh, they saw our show and we were at the bar after a performance sure. and she told me I needed to quit my job the next day and go for it. That that's kind of what it took yeah. to put yourself out there with no safety net. Yeah. You know? And uh, basically that was uh summer of 86, I want to say. And then I got my first uh, professional job, which was on the stage in ghetto. ghetto. And then uh, in uh, 87, just the January is when Tim and John got that, uh, got tape heads going. Yeah. And they basically coerced uh, the producer, Pete McCarthy, to give me what was known as a Taft-Hartley, which is a waiver. Because in those days, you couldn't act in a SAG movie without being in SAG. Sure. You couldn't get a SAG card without being in a SAG movie. Sure. So there was this catch 22 yeah. where someone had to pay like 500 bucks, which was oh, not a producer to work with this new talent. Right. And so, yeah, you know, thanks be and a lot of gratitude to Tim and Johnny for, uh, I mean, I, it was, I played Norton. It was a great, yeah. perfect part for me or whatever, but it was my entree into the, uh, into film. And then I ended up getting, a movie called The Underachievers, which came out as Night School and Cross My Heart, a universal movie, yeah. all in the same like week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that was pretty he heady stuff. And then September of 87, I landed Perfect Strangers, which was oh. my first TV gig. And um, yeah, Cami Patton. I love my casting director friends. And let's give a shout out to, to uh, them as well. Uh, they 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 have a tough job seeing the sure. talent, finding the right, you know, that is Gore Verbinski on Pirates said 90% of his job is casting the right person in the right spot. Sure. And uh, I think, I mean, I know Scorsese will say something like that, but good directors know that once they put the right actor in the right role, they don't have to worry about that. Sure. We're professionals. We come prepared. We're going to come with ideas. Hopefully, too, like I, I really believe in terms of technique as acting, it's like a whatever works. Sure. 
there's times you got to use your method. You should train in all of it and be able to go there depending on who you're working with. Sure. Sometimes it's fun to go deep like that. Sometimes it's not necessarily the smartest way. Yeah. You don't want to stay locked in and as Pintel yeah. <laughs> all day. Yeah. You know, you want to drop into that guy. Sure. And and become him, yeah? yeah. Putting the old fucking teeth and throwing the eyeballs and then layer on the old accent, you know? <laughs> and that's the challenge because you got to kind of go step by step by yeah. step. And the final thing, the proof is just the I could just stand there and be him with all the great artistry of the makeup yeah. and the costumes and special effects guys. Um but can you be funny when they go action and you're standing next to Johnny, legendary fucking yeah. dad, and you know, Kira Knightley, who will blow you off the screen yeah. with her, you know, shot of her finger. Yeah. You gotta lock in. <laughs> well, you you certainly have been funny in 10 years before. First yeah. Pirates, you were in a little film called RoboCop 3, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary this oh, year. And yeah. I like your scene in there where, where, where you're coming, uh, attempting to be guns ablazing into the 24-hour diner. I'm this then, fucking guy ever. And then you turn <laughs> turn around, and then there's about 40 cops who have their, their, yeah. their Desert Eagles on you. Whether it's a moment like that where you're only in the movie for a little bit or you're in parts of the Caribbean where you're part of the supporting cast, how much of you... As an actor, are you looking to try to put your own spin on a character in a comedic sense, or do you mainly try to stick to the, the script and what the director wants you to do? Always that first, always, always that. But within that framework, I try to steal every scene. Sure. You know, there with um, the script process, it's it's really important to respect the process. Yeah. Sometimes they'll ask me to. Sometimes they'll they'll like though they won't call cut. That's yeah. their cue to keep jamming. Yeah. You know, um, but no, no, no. I I firmly believe in trying to be letter perfect with the script um, and then go from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to give the respect uh, where the respect is due. Um, now, within that framework, um, I mean, anything goes, right? Sure. In terms of, I mean, 10 years after, as I said, you were part of a, a little known trilogy of films that only made about five or six billion dollars in, in total. Yeah, it's still, the, still beyond the, the, of course, the main cast of Johnny and Kira and Orlando and Jeffrey Rush. At what point in your own process through the filming of that first one did you realize that there was something here, not just within the film's initial success, but then potentially for something after that? I mean, I actually knew we were onto something really good while we were filming it. I didn't know yeah. what it was exactly, but there was a there was a vibe on it that just felt good. Sure. Hard to describe, right? And I think a lot of it had to do with Gore, yeah, directing the ring. Okay, that came out after we had been shooting for about a month and then suddenly that the studio and all the money people and everyone was like, Whoa, this guy just delivered a number one film for weeks and weeks. Right. And that, then suddenly the producers gave, he had that much more leverage to tell it. Sure. I, I really feel that was a big moment for the, for the production. Um, and then obviously Johnny, 
doing doing uh what's only happened in the history of the of Hollywood a few times. Yeah. Creating a character that I mean it's compared to Chaplin's Little Tramp. I would compare it to God, there's not many I can even think of. Maybe a John Wayne. Yeah. To John Wayne. But these icon we overuse the word iconic. Yeah. In my mind. Uh, but if we want to go back to the Oxford definition of it, fucking Captain Jack yeah. nailed, nailed it. Exactly. He was two steps ahead, man. He's just and 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 it what it said about pirates, what it said about nonconformist in a conforming world, what it said about what is art. Sure. It was it, he he nailed it, dude. And and it, honestly, when when we first saw Captain Jack as the Black Pearl crew, we're like, "What the fuck? What yeah. are you doing?" You know, I didn't know the choice. No one knew until we saw the whole movie come together. Sure. So the great, I guess, to answer your question, yeah, the big reveal that there was more in it happened when the audience got a look at it. Sure. What, what I look about that, man. It's yeah. always we I like to call myself a shoemaker. <laughs> it's Screen Actors Guild. It's not a union. Sure. We're a guild of craftspeople. Okay. So I find it helpful in my mind that I'm a shoemaker. Sure. It's a humble profession, but a very important one because yeah. you want nice shoes. And sometimes <laughs> you want exactly. But you always want shoes that protect yourself, protect yeah. your feet and think about you. And there, there's a lot of nurturing in, in the art of storytelling for the audience, you know, and it's important in our relationship of actor to audience that it nurtures, it, it uh, enlightens, it uh, transforms, takes you away from your daily existence into the world of whatever the story is, yeah. provides catharsis at the yeah. best. Um, Right. So when the audience gets it, yeah. I mean, there were no, remember this, bro, there were no tie ins. There were no toys on Pirates sure. One versus the Black Pearl. The, the McDonald's ad with Johnny Smiling came months after. It was the first movie that, I mean, and the only one that I've been involved in that stayed in theaters for a year. Oh, wow. First run that changed the movie business. Not only, I mean, for so many things, for CGI, yeah, changed the world. For what we think of pirates yeah. forever and pirate people, and pirate, uh, the pirate fans and the people that dress up for charity as pirates yeah. changed that forever. They're accepted, they're part of it. We'll always remember that character. Um, and, you know, ultimately it changed the movie theaters. Sure. Because for um, Dead Man's Chest, we that movie was the first movie where it started playing in multiple screens oh, wow. in the multiplexes. Before that, that didn't exist. You'd have maybe a four, a four theaters or a, a three, um, not a 10 or 12 like now. And it would be one movie in each. But Pirates ran that two hours 45, which yeah. cost them theater owner an extra showing they always want it 90 minutes they can sneak maybe an extra or two screenings in sure. right so 
the compensation and the change of that for the industry now is when you go see an MCU or a big a release, it's on five different screens yeah. in a multiplex. Sure. So they get their showings. Yeah. It's cut out a lot of indie stuff and it's cut out a lot of other opportunities for filmmakers to get their theaters in the theaters, in the actual, you know, uh, cinema, if you will. Sure. So there's my lecture on that. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> the, and, and that I think it was in the third one, which uh, is one of my favorite, not just Pirates of the Caribbean films, but one of my favorite films of all time. There's a scene where um, Jeffrey, Kira, and Johnny, and I believe um, Mr. Gibbs are all fighting, have guns pointing at each other and there's wet powder and they all walk away and you and Mackenzie, then you say we can still use them as clubs and... Just, just a lot of comedic elements in the movies. Of course, dressing up as as a lady in the first one when you're when you're all skeletons. For you as an actor, when you're able to change the the the, the mood of a film with comedic elements, regardless of who the all star cast is, is that one of the moments that you think, oh, I'm glad I'm in this profession because I'm able to have this type of aspect in a film. I mean, I love the I. That's editing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a whole team sport. It's a team sport in the moments like that. I have, my job is to deliver something to the editor that will sure. be and work in that exact way. Um, and that starts with good writing. It's the rhythm of how the scene plays. It's the rhythm of how the camera is going to move, what size we're in. Sure. It, I'm always going to deliver. That's my job. Yeah. That's what I love. I do that for free. Yeah. As an actor, you know, you pay me for the waiting. You pay me for leaving my family. You pay sure. that. The acting part, we do for free. Sure. And then when you have that attitude of when they call your number, that's why I love sport, man. I'm a third down back sometimes as a you know a punt returner. I'm a nickel DB on the on the as a character actor, but we're important. We exactly the color the color. I love I love art. In a painting, sometimes that 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 color is a primary sure. bold part of the the painting. Sometimes it's just an accent. Sure. So whether you're in there uh, for this much, or you've got a chunky contribution, you got to give it your best. Sure. That's the game. Don't yeah. say yes to the gig if you're not going to do that. Yeah. And don't show up with a shit attitude. Exactly. Right? It it only happened to me one time and a security guard uh corrected me my my attitude at Paramount Studios about four in the morning, day five or six, heading in for a Star Trek makeup. I'd partied too hard. I was still a little like uh not enough sleep. And yeah. and I and 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 I was friends with this guy and I show up and he's like, How you doing? And I was like, uh like that and he goes no hmm. and he and he's like dude right and it, i'll trade places with any of these guys we all have the dream and i was yeah. just like oh thank you I, I i mean honestly what a great moment in my in my career because it was just like sure don't want to be a fucking uh ungrateful sure. in any of it, right in terms of manifesting it too you know yeah. well it's in a gift and not too many people can achieve what you've been able to do so it's always great the at world's end the third one came out in 2007 for yeah. you as an actor of course we want to be in successful roles for as long as we can but for you how much of a bookend was it 
to the story for you and, and your character in, in that sequence of films? Oh. I mean, it was that. I mean, it's fun. It's what if it's all I got out of it in terms of one, two, and three, it bookends pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, personally, I, I, I would love to be in, you know, keep making them if, yeah. if, if it's timing and availability and Mackenzie's in a, and whatever be fun. Um, but oh my God. Yeah. No regrets. I think they, uh, the goodbye pop it and the whole yeah. thing. I mean, yeah, uh, it's beautiful. Good storytelling. And, and uh, I mean, Ted and Terry and really was just great fun for, for bubblegum popcorn movie. There was so many, one of my favorite stories about the um, pirates adventure was on the third movie, sitting on a beach, I guess, Dominica, as they're walking, the pirates are, there's a parade of uh, the Chinese pirates, the South Fang guys with, uh, with Barbosa and, and they're all just marching down the beach, looking yeah. off with parrots. And it was a big like shot, but I'm sitting in the pop-up tent with a little coffee with Mackenzie and Ted and Terry and Johnny's driver, Buck. And uh, uh, I guess it was Ted Elliot. Oh, no, no, no. Somebody goes, this goes, uh, one of the guys goes, this scene reminds me of the Wild Bunch. I think it was Buck. He just threw it out there. It reminds me of the Wild Bunch. And then uh, Ted and Ted and Terry go, oh, wow, it's funny you say that because I, um, we based it on the Wild Bunch. Yeah. <laughs> he nailed it, right? He goes, yeah. oh. Buck goes, yeah, I, I wrote the Wild Bunch. Oh. <laughs> and and I'm I'm I was in that movie. And they and they go, you what? Bullshit, they go. Yeah. They go, bullshit. I go, no, 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 no. I get residuals all the time. No, it's a true story, it tells us about it. It was amazing because Buck's a badass Johnny's yeah. driver, the coolest dude, 70-something, right? At that moment, he had a stack of mail in his lap from home because we'd been overseas for a couple months. And they're all back and forth. We don't believe you, Buck. You're full of shit, whatever, right? Oh, look, SAG residual. Opens it. First envelope in his lap. Residual for the wild bunch. The look on Ted and Terry and just the look was just like, ah. You know, it was just one of those moments where things, um, things just come together in yeah. perfectly syncopated ways, you know, uh, that it's alignment, that story, the bullshit, not believing it, kind of not believing it either. It sounded yeah. fantastic. And then the yeah. residual check and everyone's jaws dropping. Well, I'm sure for those three films for you, and maybe it's different for others. I don't know, but for the, you, maybe in, in just in this conversation to have not just those two guys, Terry and I'm blanking on the other writers, Ted, Nick, Ted, Ted and Terry, and then to have gore on those three films, the three most successful ones, in, in my opinion, is a reassuring okay. feeling for you as an actor, whether it be after those ended in 07 to now, how much of your checklist in terms of potential projects you would take on changed after being part of Pirates? I mean, I wish it would have. Do you understand? Like, I wish yeah. it would have elevated me to a place where they're just, oh man, we're in the Lee Ehrenberg business. That well, I would well, maybe, maybe that. not necessarily that, it but maybe like that. It doesn't work like that. Maybe, like that. <laughs> but it works like that for very few yeah. in the biz, right? So, 
the key thing is uh when i com- when i landed once upon a time yeah i mean i couldn't get a gig after pirates sure and it wasn't because i was being choosy yeah yeah, it's just the way it works. It's just like the your career kind of goes like a wave a little bit. Yeah. And it's learning how to be happy while you're regaining your strength for the next turn of the tour. Um yeah. I mean, honestly, it made me famous. Sure. Which is never a bad thing, but it really doesn't pay the rent. Sure. Okay, so it might get you invited in the now with the comic cons and the signings and getting to meet and greet the people, do cameos that that it does help. And I'm so grateful to my fans every time they book a birthday shout out or they come for an autograph. And, you know, you're going to always get uh, a good conversation with me and I'm going to care because I do about my audience. It's I heard Johnny actually taught me this phrase uh at one of the pirates premieres the premieres for pirates were the world's longest red carpets so you want to be nice to every journalist they've come a long way they come from around the world so you're doing two three four hours straight of this yeah getting pulled handler photos it's a it's it's a pretty i mean it's awesome experience uh but you need to be present, relaxed, sure. and up for it. Yeah. And Johnny was the was the king. Oh yeah. So I just basically, excuse me, can you help me on this one? And how do you fucking do it, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, because the fans are the boss. Sure. And what a beautiful way to say it. Yeah. You know, we work together. But ultimately, I have a job because of these beautiful people. Exactly. And I, I, it's 20, over 20 years where that's my number one, make sure I connect that out there. Yeah. Energy. And it changes everything. Then whatever happens, happens, bud. Yeah. I got once upon a time, that was seven amazing years to play grumpy yeah. with some of the most talented actors <laughs> and, you know, a life experience and a whole new fan base. And uh, the fact that people are blown away that Pintel is grumpy <laughs> and they're, they're disappointed that they didn't know that. Yeah. The coolest thing <laughs> that says I'm good yeah. at what I do that exactly. I get, get pride in that, you know? And uh, it's been, it's, it's, it's an honor. I mean, I, I've lived my dream and the older I get, um, the more I focus daily to be thankful. Sure. And just as hungry, and I might be even be working harder on it yeah. because I'm letting go of all the stuff I seem that doesn't matter that I've cared about for sure. so long. You know, yeah. that's the real lesson, you know. Well, you're only you're only as good as your last your last scene or your last performance to an extent. So you want to actually you're only thing. as good as your next. Next. Yeah. So you got so to make stay. Sure. Oh, yeah. You're only as good as your next one, right? The past is done. You can't yeah. change that. And this is also what I love and why my number one goal was always film. And TV was stigmatized when I got in the game. Sure. TV has now risen in um, 
in excellence by far yeah. because of streaming. Yeah. So and and I'm, I'm not going to say that the cinematic uh, stuff has is downgraded in quality, but it probably has. Sure. Because the long form ability of television now for storytelling, a better unfold, more you know, there's more. You have more creativity when you yeah. have eight hours to tell your story, sure, if sure. there's enough of a story there. Yeah. Um, so, but it's forever, dude. Yeah. Theater, theater is magic because you got to do it over and over and yeah. over. And in the moment, you don't feel it. It's all moment to moment. Um, and that audience that came and paid their money on that rainy night to be in that theater. They deserve the show sure. just as much as the Saturday night full house. They're sitting in the aisles show. So that's very challenging, but film. You've got one shot at it. Yeah. That camera's on you. Then maybe you get two, three takes on a big movie. You might, you, you might not even get more than one. Sure. Depending on what's going on. And where, how important you are in the scene. One time just to go like, give a look and button give your attitude, you know? Now they'll probably cover you for the whole scene. So you'll, theoretically, you're not just going to have to hit them unless they, it's supposed to be like that. Yeah. Might have, you, you might be able to listen for the whole scene and find the moment organically, but sometimes yeah. you just got to fucking give the face. Yeah. Yeah. And it never matters. Check this out. I'll let you go. You have yeah. great questions too, but they're very, they're getting me going. Um, it never matters what the actor thinks. It only matters what the audience thinks the actor thinks. Sure. For, for you, and uh, as I mentioned, you've been doing this for, for quite a while. As I said, some of the actors that you've been, that you grew up with since when, when, when both were still in high school, yeah, you know, still acting, still doing stuff, regardless of the medium, for mm -hmm. you, looking back, and of course, you're still going to keep doing it until they push you in a wheelchair, I, I, I'm sure. So for you, at the end of the day, whether it be the acting legacy in terms of what you leave behind with your craft or your personal, what you leave behind, what do you hope it is for future generations to look back on what you were able to accomplish? Hmm. You know what? I'll be honest. Uh Being a good dude is a slower reverberation around the universe, but I, I would go for some of that. I don't think, I think it's our job to live. The Stoics say you're already dead. So live every day. Sure. Um, and again, I would turn that over to the audience. I mean, as an actor, I'd love my legacy to be that he, that I was a baller. <laughs> yeah. That I, I, I love doing it that the ability to bring laughter and belly laughs out there is pretty neat. Sure. Be able to bring a tear if you get the opportunity. Yeah. Be vulnerable in front of the camera. It's it's intense to do it. I love doing it. Um so it's about sharing, man. Yeah. I'll take any of that as a yeah. legacy. And and I love I mean to me even your your words here about really, um, they they hit me in a, in a real positive uh, way that makes me feel good, bro. Like uh, you get you know that job done in terms of that, 
And, and that's very important too, is the artist to get yeah. that little satisfaction as you go. It's like mountain climbing yeah. or climbing pyramids that I, I use the pyramids of Mexico city outside for the example, because they are very steep and then they have a plateau and then they go steep. And each generation of the Aztec was responsible for building a layer on their pyramid. Right. So it's, and the career is like that. You go up, 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 and then they're sort of plateaued yeah. out there. And then you just got to take advantage of your next chance. Sure. Yeah. Well, I want to, before we enter today, again, thank you so much, Lee, for doing this. I want to end on a little game called the One Word Challenge. So what it tells yeah. with this is that I'll throw out a few names of people, places, or things, and you have to do your best to say a word or two that comes to mind when you hear it. So if you're ready, I'll begin. Ready. Uh, first one, California. Home. Uh, Shipwreck Cove. Want to go back. <laughs> uh, hard work. It's the most important. Uh, success. Measured by inner peace. Uh, acting. My passion. The Raiders. My blood. Uh, Johnny Depp. A real hero of mine. And last but certainly, never least in this cosmic universe, well called Earth, Lee Ehrenberg. Just another fucked up human. But what beautiful craft you've been able to uh, accomplish, good <laughs> sir. Uh, thank you again. I know I've said it a few times, but thank you again for doing this. I know you're a busy man, so this is a real treat for a man who grew well, up. Well, I want to tell you things. something. I want to tell you something. Yeah. You got a future in this business. You treat your subject with a real care. You did your homework. I'm stoked I did this with you, bro. And I wish I you nothing but the best going forward. Well, it means a lot. Thank you. Now, I, I know with, with the after strike ending and back to work in terms of certain stuff. So if you have anything coming up or things that are out that you just completed, um, certainly this is a time for you if you want to plug yeah. it there. I mean, really, I haven't been working uh, for a while. The last kind of cool project, I got some projects uh, in Europe. Hopefully that'll come through some film work. Uh, one in Italy that I'm hoping gets funded. And um, I will next kind of like, I have this great film I did called Bloody Fury that I did right. with Bill, Bill Nye, Kev McNally doing right. voices, Party Club is in it. Uh, for my French family, film family, right. Jordan and Constant, who I recommend go see his other work. He's done some great uh, fanfics of Star Wars, of Pirates. Uh, I mean, very creative force and, and a guy that I'm, you know, I love as a brother and this young director that did this French Western. All right. So find Bloody Fury. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's a sexy uh, cowboy show. Sure. And um, yeah, man, I stay hopeful and grateful. Now, where can people find you online in terms of social media, if you have any at all? Just under my name. I mean, I'm pretty much mostly on, on the gram these days, Instagram or Facebook as Lee Ehrenberg. I mean, you can find me on X. I haven't really been doing anything on X. I'm not really into X. Sure. I miss my time. Is my yeah. bird. Miss I think we bird. all do. Yeah. And this is my bird, you know, but I'm still there. Uh, not really checking, but the, lately I've just been posting a lot of sunsets cause it's been killer. Yeah. Like, uh, well, in California. What, what's better than that? Well, and honestly, bro, I live outside LA now about an hour, hour and a half North, right on the beach. It's a great place for my son. 
uh, the most important things are for me are supporting his rock and roll dreams yeah. and, uh, you know, walking my dog and, and that, and, uh, helping my wife be in of service. I mean, yeah. honestly, when I started doing that, um, putting myself at batting cleanup, sure. Change my shit, man. Well, it makes you more uh, grateful of what you have in life. Now, all those out there, if you enjoy this, who the hell would? And down the line, when this uh, wonderful person, not just a wonderful actor, but a wonderful person, gets the next greatest role of his life and gets inducted into some sort of LA acting hall of fame, you can say, "Holy shit!" I so subscribe, so subscribe, comment, share, all that fun jazz. Following X or Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it, Nolan Cart Night Show, Nolan Cart Night. In the words of Johnny Carson, the dean of talk shows, something like this one. I bid you all a heartfelt good night. Till next time, when we speak again.